This week on Useful to God, Dr. James Spencer and I will be looking at the parable of the weeds, and our text will be from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. James, there are a couple of reasons why Jesus used this literature device of parables. Uh, The obvious was a fulfillment of Scripture, yet the other reason was this stage of his ministry, and the teachers of religious law were trying to discredit Jesus by maintaining that he was healing and performing miracles from a demonic state. Here we are painting the scene. What should we be observing? Well, I think we should be observing Jesus is really trying to help both the crowds and the disciples really fully understand what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And in using parables, he is trying to uh, just cultivate those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, so to speak. Um, the parables do function as part of Jesus's teaching ministry in a way to, I don't want to say obscure the message of the gospel, but it's almost like a, a code that, uh, you know, goes between Jesus and those who are capable of receiving it. it. It isn't necessarily just a straightforward, clear teaching. And I think we see that as Jesus often has to explain his parables, even to the 12 disciples. And so what we're looking at here is really Jesus um, trying to convey what it is that the kingdom is like. And in these parables, particularly, uh, I would say the mustard seed and the leaven and uh, different prophecies about parables, um, he's talking about the kingdom of God as being sort of hidden. And the parables really do play into that hiddenness uh, because they aren't just straightforward propositional statements. Here's what the kingdom is. This is what the kingdom does. Um, They are shrouded in these images that people would have understood, but may not have uh, necessarily grasped fully what it was that Jesus was trying to say about the kingdom. And so there is this sense that he is uh, hiding the message, obscuring the message, and, uh, and, and that the message has, as it says in, uh, in Matthew 13, 34, has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And so these parables are sort of part revelation and part, um, uh, partly obscuring that revelation as this message comes out in more and more clarity to the people who are listening to Christ. Yeah, uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, a parable is something that comes alongside as a tool to uh, to a different understanding or to to create an analogy for something, and uh, that's uh, that is a useful teaching tool sometimes. Yeah, I think Jesus is trying. You know, the parables really are relatable, so he can convey a, a deep theological concept in fairly what is basically everyday language drawing on uh, many times, as we see in these parables, an agrarian culture that the people that he's talking to would really deeply understand. And so they they get a word picture as opposed to just a statement. And that really is powerful because they are they are fully capable of really understanding then what it is that Jesus is trying to say, even if they don't 100 percent grasp what it means uh, in respect to the kingdom. And so these parables really are, they're, they're sort of for the everyman. Um, they're, they're available and accessible to everyone. They're not some sort of haughty, high level knowledge, right? Um, as I often affectionately call it, geek speak. Um, these are things that are spoken in just a, a plain way that everybody could grasp. And yet there's something hidden within them that many people aren't going to get. I do love when you talk to me in geek. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's get on with the parable here. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in, in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Well, James, since parables are like a comparison with simile and metaphor, there are a lot of images to digest here. Uh, Jesus has just rolled out the story of the scattered seeds. Now, this this story is different. There's a sabotage going on. Is this where the enemy purposely tries to thwart a good harvest by planting weeds among the wheat? So I think we we want to make sure that we sort of separate the two parables um, while they both have to do with planting and agrarian sort of imagery. Um, I don't know that Jesus sees these as as sort of adding to one another. And so in this parable, what I think he's really emphasizing is, um, again, the sort of hiddenness of the kingdom. And so what we have is um, the the weeds, which are probably something called Darnell. Uh, Darnell uh, are almost like uh, they look almost exactly like wheat. And there is a point after they're planted that they they sprout up and they look very much like wheat. And so when Jesus is saying to his servants or, you know, when this master is saying to his servants, no, don't go and try to pull out the weeds. What he's really saying is that these these weeds have taken root sufficient that if we go to cut them out now, we're going to harm the harvest or run hard harm the wheat. And so I I think what's going on here very much is that the kingdom of God is going to sprout up uh, alongside the kingdom of the world or the the children of the evil one. The children of God and the children of the evil one are going to sort of grow up together. And it's important that that happen and that it not um, be short circuited or eliminated too quickly that the children of God are going to be bumping shoulders, rubbing shoulders with the children of evil. And so this parable is really speaking to uh, not necessarily uh, an enemy that is trying to thwart a good harvest, but an enemy that is trying to sow what I would say confusion um, and uh, creating an, the illusion that there is maybe a different sort of wheat uh, that is uh, appropriate to the kingdom then the actual wheat is itself. And so there's a there's a sense in which these two plants are so similar that they could be confused for one another. And that's what I think really Jesus is keying in on here, is that at times the kingdom is so hidden that we are not going to be able to distinguish it or separate it um, from the, the children of evil, uh, except in that moment of the harvest, that these things will be judged at the end of time. And there's no particular reason that we need to be about uh you know trying to figure out which one is a weed and which one is a wheat and so that's that's where i think jesus is going with this parable it's it's a it's about hiddenness it's about the confusion that the enemy is trying to um, convey 
And it's about an eschatological judgment, ultimately, that will uh, clear all of this up and will separate between the weeds and the wheat. Well, where I grew up in Long Island, New York, I I did a lot of work in my father's field. Uh, There was about two acres of lawn and gardens that bordered the woods. The gardens that were at the perimeter of the woods had a lot of plants and flowers. The weeds were difficult to separate since there was a lot of green. Then on top of that, Honeysuckle is an attractive weed, plus it smells good, too. So it's very difficult to pull weeds around foliage. Yet, this doesn't really apply here, but when I hear those verses, I think of my days of pulling weeds around plants and flowers. Yeah, I mean, I I was never, I never grew up on a farm. I didn't uh, know anything about plants, really. Uh, I think my my mom uh, pretty much killed every plant she ever bought. Uh, but I, when I was dating my wife, uh, or dating the girl who would become my wife later, uh, I used to work on the farm and, uh, one day they handed me a machete and told me to go cut the weeds out of the blackberry patch. And if you've ever seen blackberry branches, they're this interesting white color and they have sort of not thorns, but little bumps on them and stuff like that. And they didn't look particularly healthy. And so I, assumed those were the weeds and I just macheted them all out. <laughs> so I think that it's a, you know, while, while the look of them weren't the same, the confusion about the weeds and the wheat, uh, I definitely had that, that blackberry patch. I think we skipped at least two harvests of blackberries, um, in that little patch that I cleared. Um, the event, the blackberry bushes eventually grew back, but it's a, it's a difficult thing when we have these, you know, good plants planted by the, uh, the, the weeds of figuring out how to sort and sift these things. And so really the parable is designed to create and and to to activate in the minds of the hearers, this very real problem they have when they're planting is that the Darnell comes up, uh, uh, you know, with the wheat and it's very difficult to tell the two apart. And so now what Jesus is saying is, listen, the kingdom of heaven is kind of like this. It's going to end up that we're not always going to be able to tell the difference, you know, just by looking who's in and who's out. That's done later. Yeah, I think you're going to have your next book, uh, Useful Botany. (laughs) I hope not. I'll stay away from the botany. (laughs) I I hope I don't get a chance to read the audio (laughs) book. That's right. We'll really put people to sleep. Does this verse have anything to do with our works and usefulness, though? You know, I think that the wheat ultimately proves itself out. And, you know, we see this. We'd have to go outside the parable to really um, make this judgment. But I would say, yes, I mean, the the true wheat, when we apply it to or when it's, you know, sort of when we look at that symbol and we say, okay, here's the true wheat. This is the people who are really part of the kingdom. Obviously, those people who are really part of the kingdom are going to exhibit the marks of that kingdom. They are going to be doing the things that are anticipated that people of the kingdom would do. And so, yes, I think it has to do with that in sort of an ancillary fashion. But the the overarching thrust of the parable really is just that the kingdom of God is going to be hidden amongst these weeds almost. It's going to be uh, infiltrating the the kingdom of earth right these principalities and powers that that run the world um we are growing up the kingdom of heaven is growing up 
amidst the weeds, regardless of the weeds. And, and so what we've got is, is the kingdom sort of infiltrating in some odd and interesting ways the world and ultimately triumphing over the world because we're the ones who are going to be pulled into the barn and the tares of, of Darnell are going to be burned. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. You know, it's it's interesting when you when you think about it too, and uh you think about, you know, why 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 we haven't reached end times yet and uh you you, you figure that uh, it's giving the weeds a little bit of a little bit of time. It's buying them time a little bit, isn't it? There's always that tension. We God wants, I think, as many people to come into the kingdom as possible. And so there is a sense in which, you know, we're we're waiting on that day to come. And then there's also this sense in which God talks about this in the Old Testament, that the sins of, let's say, the Canaanites have not come to their fullness. And so um, he's not going to do anything with the Canaanites until that happens. But once their sin is full, once they've sort of run out of rope, let's say, um, then he will remove them from where they are and bring Israel in. And so I think there's a calculus that God is using that we are um, largely unaware of. And uh, as we just wait and patiently continue in faithfulness as wheat amongst the tares, uh, I think that we will ultimately find out what God has been doing and what God had in mind. But I, like I said, I think God does use a calculus that we just aren't privy to. Um, we don't understand why it's taking so long or when it's going to happen. And that's not just because he, you know, I think there are a number of factors he's looking at that we don't fully comprehend. And so ours is just to really be and, and focus on growing up as wheat amongst the tares. Um, and that is to demonstrate ourselves to actually be wheat. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that sounds strange because what does wheat really do to demonstrate itself to be wheat? Well, that goes into then other things that we would have to talk about beyond this parable, but it certainly would involve, you know, um, practicing patience, going back into something like Matthew 5, um, where Jesus gives the Beatitudes and talks about being salt and light and loving enemies, all of those things. Those are things that are commensurate with people who belong to the kingdom. They're not things that people who don't belong to the kingdom are necessarily going to practice, even though they may mimic that from time to time. But we're a people for whom those things are are absolutely core to who we are. And it's unintelligible for us to be members of the kingdom and not do some of those things. It creates a complete disjunction. And we don't want that. And so this parable, I think, it really does drive home this idea that God's people are, are infiltrating the world. And that the kingdom of God is not going to, um, as I think many of his disciples may have expected, just come in with, you know, sort of a militaristic uh, sort of model and demolish Rome and, and, you know, take out all the other empires of the world and establish Israel as the, you know, the, the chief among the nations. What Jesus is really talking about here is a more patient, slow infiltration of the kingdom of God on earth. That's fully fulfilled when he is resurrected, right? Jesus wins. But even after that, we see this slow infiltration and a call for God's people to persevere, be patient, and to continue doing good works, regardless of whether or not it looks like the weeds are winning. Wow, it uh, it gets deeper and deeper as we uh, as we kind of uh, pull out those little threads, and so uh, I really appreciate 
what Jesus is doing here uh, and uh, and how he did uh, speak in parables. And sometimes when you look at these things, they probably make more sense to us. <laughs> well, we certainly have the benefit of Jesus's interpretations. Um, you know, many of the people, at least you get the impression from this chapter, is that many people don't aren't privy to the um, explanation that Jesus gives to his disciples. Um, and so, you know, we have both. We have the parable and we have the explanation. And so there's a sense in which uh, with our historical perspective, you know, being umpteen years away from when Jesus was resurrected, um, we're probably not thinking uh, necessarily that while the kingdom could come at any moment, we are, we're not thinking that it's necessary that it come any moment, um, that we are really thinking that here's what's happening is that God's kingdom is infiltrating the world in small ways and through the faithful acts and, and, and ongoing obedience of his people, uh, we are showing the world that the weeds will never win. Well, then we go to another seed parable, uh, but this is the smallest seed that you could possibly think of the mustard seed and the yeast. Uh, he told them another parable. This is uh, Matthew thirteen thirty one. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all of these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. James, when we began the study of parables of the seeds, my mind went to all kinds of analogies. Yet our work and our choices, is this the proper way to interpret what Jesus means? Well, I think, again, what we're, what we're looking at here is the nature of the kingdom. And so if we look at the analogies that Jesus uses, um, it, I'll, I'll start with the yeast because um, yeast is often used in a negative connotation. We hear, you know, be be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees, for instance. Right. Um, we, we don't want this uh, small, uh, insignificant looking element to grow beyond our control. So that it takes us over. Right. That's that's normally how it's used, you know, when we see it in its negative mode. It's something that's going to ruin something as opposed to being compared with the kingdom of God, which now what we see is that we want the kingdom of heaven to be like yeast um, and we want it to be small. And so that as it's worked through this dough, it it sort of takes over the dough. That's the same image that Jesus is using here. And so um, what what that yeast is, it's it's how the kingdom of heaven is ultimately going to grow. I think both of these parables, the parable of the weeds and the wheat and the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast are really talking about the slowness of the coming kingdom, the way that it's going to grow and ultimately come to fruition and the uh, the patience that is going to be required of God's people as we just continue to work diligently to usher in that kingdom. 
Now, if we look at the mustard seed, the mustard seed is interesting. Um, you, you know, it it is not the smallest of the seeds ever. Okay. Um, and so, um, but it has become sort of a proverbial for its small size. And when it grows, it becomes sort of a garden plant. And uh, it, it's not exactly a tree. It's more like a, I don't know, you'd hesitate to call it kind of a shrub, but it isn't a tree, you know, think like a big bush almost. Um, and uh, it's interesting here that Jesus talks about the birds coming to perch in its branches. Uh, what it probably, what this probably reflects um, is a bit of a critique against um, the religious establishment of the day. Um, it, it most likely alludes to something that's found in Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. And there, what, what God is talking about is that there's this sprig from a lofty top of a cedar. And he's going to grow that cedar and it will it will be a huge height and the birds will come and dwell in its branches and uh, they'll, you know, they'll enjoy its shade and it will flourish. And, and so what we have here is um, this sort of juxtaposition between that verse, which is a mighty cedar and the mustard bush. <laughs> right. And, and Jesus is basically saying, look, I know what you're expecting. You're expecting the big cedar. But I'm telling you, this is going to end up being more like the mustard bush. It's going to be a small seed planted that produces a large, um, a large plant. It's going to be like yeast that ends up working through the whole dough. And I, I think what Jesus really wants us to take from this is that um, we need to be patient. We need to be diligent. We need to endure and that we should not be uh or his disciples particularly should not be thinking that the end of Jesus's ministry will come with the reestablishment of Israel on earth. And so I think he's dispelling a lot of those myths here and trying to get his disciples to understand the long, hard road that he's going to ask them to walk down. Well, as, as you said, Jesus uses trees and sowing seed as far as patience in so many rich ways uh, throughout his ministry. Faith as small as a mustard seed, and with that kind of faith, you can move mountains. Right. Is discipleship and discipline that kind of small step that if you walked in that direction, then God could do something big, at, as big as moving mountains? Yeah, I think when we when he uses the mustard seed in that other context, um, where he talks about you know faith as small as a mustard seed, I think that's exactly what he's talking about. I think he's pointing to this issue of listen, um, it, it doesn't take great acts. It, it, you know, faith is about you know this this tiny amount of trust in God that results in continual obedience over time, and that's the sort of faith that will move mountains. You know, faith is, I, I, especially in in some of the gospels, what you get the impression is that faith isn't a point. Faith is uh, something that sort of grows over time. It's a, uh, it, it is a point. Obviously, you start faith somewhere. You start believing at some point, but that faith is also something that progresses and moves and grows throughout the life of a believer. And, and so. I think that as we look at those other parables and the other way that Jesus uses the seeds, yes, I think absolutely that there are these small steps that every believer is asked to take. And they're small steps of trust. They're small steps of faith. And as we do those things, God is able to use us in myriad different ways. And as he uses us, it just strengthens or reinforces our faith. 
And so there is this nice loop that we get that as we trust God and we test him through obedience, God shows up. We get to know who he is that much more deeply experientially. And then as we do that, we're more ready to trust him. And so it's a it's a wonderful little loop that we can go through with God and ultimately grow our faith simply by testing him through our obedience. Well, then we get to the yeast. A little yeast is an analogy many of us can get. Uh, I think of the fundraisers that our our kids did when uh, with the dough, and and more than once with my kids, uh, we had an explosive situation that stuff. Can really, uh, it can really uh, be a catalyst of uh, of of, of a, a, a dough explosion. How do these uh, com- parables compare with the car- parables of the talents? Uh, the idea that those who can be trusted with a little will get more responsibility, uh, kind of servant leadership concept, isn't it? I think it's related. Uh, I think that the nature of the kingdom being like yeast, right? So if the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, it's going to come in as a a small dot, um, relatively insignificant by size and, um, you know, not particularly noticeable, let's say, um, in contrast to the amount of flour that has to go into making this dough. If you notice in that passage, they also reference the 60 pounds of flour, Right. And this little bit of yeast is now worked through this fairly massive amount of flour. And, and, and what I think we should take from that is, is that our lives, the way that we interact with other people, the way that we think about orienting ourselves to the world should be in line with what the kingdom actually is. And so if the kingdom is like yeast, we should also be thinking of our, to ourselves, how is it that I can be like yeast? You know, how is it that I can be small and have a big impact? How is it that I can just do little things and make sure that um, as I do those little things, I'm having a broad influence? I don't need to do anything great, right? Because the kingdom of God is not the 60 pounds of flour. The kingdom of God is the yeast. It's going to slowly work into that flour until it's all the way through it. And that's the way we need to think about this. As far as servant leadership, I, I think, you know, as a concept, servant leadership has always been interesting and good. I don't think it encapsulates everything about leadership, but I do think it connects to this idea of, listen, do the small things. Like leadership is not about the the great events. Leadership is about, you know, that diligent day in, day out, loving God and loving neighbor. And, and so I think that they all sort of connect, but I would say in this parable, Jesus is really talking about the nature of the kingdom. And in the parable of the talents and some of these other places, what he's talking about is, and helping us understand, what he's helping us understand is that the character of the people in the kingdom should align with the kingdom. We'd love to hear Um, from you, and we hope that with all the activities and all of the things that are going on at Useful to God Ministries, that you get involved. 